welcome to Second Look. I am your host, Benjamin Green, and this is the show where we pause and re-examine things going on in politics and culture and try to um, respond to events and ideas in a more logical way, free of, hopefully, um, emotional overreaction. Today's episode is brought to you by Octopod and their fantastically nifty little battery backups for your phone or tablet. Head over to octo-pod.com slash outset. Use the coupon code OUTSET at checkout to get 50% off for a limited time. So, if you've been around the last few weeks, you know... We're in a little bit of a mini informal series here. Um, It all started with the GOP debate. I watched the GOP debate and boy, I was really not pleased with that. And you can find that episode. And I actually published a... I, I did more of a verbal essay that episode. You can find that and the full transcript at OutsetMagazine.com. Um... Then I talked about, tried to break down more what the problems are with civil discourse in this country and identify 10 key problems. And then last week I tried to um, first categorize those three problems into attitude, communication, and execution issues. And then I tried to come up with some steps that you can take to improve civil discourse in this country, like um, checking your motivation, having a friend who will call you out anytime they see you with the wrong attitude, um, giving your representatives feedback, controlling your clicks, your money, and your votes. And I really today want to stick on that part about controlling your votes. But before we get there, last Friday, I had a bit of a Twitter meltdown, and thankfully I logged off before things got too crazy, but I just, I was so discouraged by what I was seeing on all social media, but especially on Twitter, and I was just so done. I, I think if I'd stayed on Twitter a moment more, something bad would have happened. So I just said, you know what? Sign it off for the weekend. See you Monday. Is it possible to talk politics without becoming political? So what I mean by that, I, I'm really passionate about issues. I really like to discuss theories about almost any issue, but uh, especially foreign policy and education are kind of kind of what I tend to get the most into. But I mean, really anything, the economy, uh, abortion, marriage, I'm, I'm willing to talk any of it in a conversation. But I cannot stand the day-to-day clumsiness, petty outrage, and knee-jerk reactions that come from 
the political class, and I include in the political class not just politicians, but also pundits and bloggers and tweeters, like myself, podcasters. I, I, I feel like I'm included in this class, and I feel like it's a horrible class, and we have to fix it. Because the politicization of everything is downright exhausting. You know, I, I think about the terrible, horrible tragedy last week that happened um, where those two journalists were gunned down live on air by, by a disgruntled co-worker. I mean, that's... Words fail me. It's such a horrible thing to do. Not only to the people he killed and their families, but who knows how many people were watching, and then he posted the video online. It's just awful. I... And yet, ten minutes after it happened... Twitter was yelling at each other over gun control and gun rights and just stop. We all need to just stop and take a breath. I'm not here to rail against social media. I'm not here to rail against gun control or or gun rights. I two people lost their lives. How dare you? How dare you make it a political discussion? We talk all about the shooter and what could have stopped the shooter from doing it. That's all well and good, and there's a time and a place for that. But the day that the shooting occurred, that is not the time. We mourn for the families we remember the lives lost. We don't talk about the shooter when the victims should be the ones being remembered. You know, tragedies that happen, it, it's inevitable for them to work their way into political discourse just because of their tragic nature. But it can't be immediate. I, you have to pause, reflect, and remember. But anyway, I'm getting off topic. That was just one of the things that was really exhausting me about Twitter last week. And what if anything, like, what, what can be done to fix this? It's so ingrained. And being a part of political Twitter... I find myself doing it all the time. And I'll be honest with you, anytime I hear about a mass shooting, my first thoughts about gun control, that's wrong. It shouldn't be. My first thought should be grief. But anyway, I'm off topic again. Last week I talked about things that you... Yes, that's right, you can do to improve the country. I do firmly believe that change starts with you. But change 
can and must also come from higher up. You know, just referencing the shooting of those journalists, politicians shouldn't have been talking gun control. Hillary Clinton, shame on you. Any Republican who's... who used these two wonderful young people to try and make the argument that if... if one of them had had a gun, they'd still be alive? Shame on you! Change must come from those high up. We need to stop voting for people who make the problem worse. And I'm not just talking about the problem of politicization of everything. That's just one symptom of our ridiculously, horribly broken civil discourse in this country. So, I've compiled a list of three things to to help you spot someone who's making the problem worse and three characteristics of someone who's helping to solve the problem. And I really hope this list will be helpful to you. I I know it was helpful to me just to sit down and write it, and it made me think a lot about who I support politically. The the first up, we have how to spot someone who's making the problem worse. Number 1, look at their donors, their voting records, and their sponsored legislation. There's an awesome site for this. You can go to opencongress.org or opensecrets.org and just learn about uh, any representative, but especially yours. And do they vote in accordance to their promises? Do they vote in accordance to the views of their constituency? Or do they vote in accordance to their donors? especially congressmen and congresswomen we're talking about here, they're supposed to be your representatives. They shouldn't just be voting for themselves. You are, they are your representative, and getting elected doesn't absolve them of the duty of listening to constituents. So do they actually follow through? Also, how often do they miss votes? I don't know about you, but if I missed work enough times, I'd get fired. It, it's their job to be there in Washington, D.C. to vote. It, it's their job to, to make sure your congressional district has a say in the civil discourse. <laughs> Apparently I need to find a new phrase. Your district has a say in the debate that goes on in, in Congress over legislation. That is their job, and if they're not doing it, they shouldn't be rehired. Also, if they have a debate, watch it. Even if it's an old debate, it can be hugely insightful. I Are they respectful to the other people on stage, or are they snide and condescending? Do they answer the questions they're asked? or simply talk about nothing. I, I talked about this actually in my my um, episode about the debate. I, I praised Governor George Pataki for giving a an answer on abortion that 
it was probably not a popular answer in most conservative circles, but he did answer the question. He didn't run away from it. And I criticized Jeb Bush, who, when, when asked about his support for Common Core, started talking about vouchers. Dude, that makes the problem worse. And so does being disrespectful. So watch out for that if there is a debate, which often there is. Make sure to watch it. Even if they're already elected and it's an old debate, you can learn a lot from it. And then third, check for events in in their constituency. How often are they holding town hall meetings that you could go to? How often do they hold other events, like apolitical events, where you can just come and meet your congressman? I, I think about Gabby Giffords, who, when she was shot and almost killed, she was holding an event called Congress on Your Corner. She was standing in a Safeway parking lot. How often does your representative do that? That's a great thing. Are they engaged on social media? I have Facebook messaged my representative, and it went to a staffer, but but I know they got the message. They answered me, and um, I know Justin Amash is particularly active on Twitter. He's a congressman from Michigan. Um, how, social media is an awesome tool, and it's free, and it's basically effortless for your representative to be a part of your social media community. So this is a really good start for figuring out if if your elected officials are making the problem worse or not. Look at their donors, their voting records, their legislation. If they have a debate, watch it. Make sure they're respectful. If they're not, they're making the problem worse. And then check for events. If they're not holding events, if they're not getting to know the people they represent... They are making the problem worse. And also, if they're not engaged on social media, there's simply no excuse to not be active on social media. And I'm not talking about tweeting out links to press releases. I'm talking about engaging with citizens. And if they're not doing that, they're making the problem worse. In just a minute, we're going to talk about three characteristics of someone who's helping solve the problems with civil discourse in this country. But, really quickly, I do want to mention again our amazing sponsor, Octopod. I don't have any problem interrupting my show in the middle of it to talk about Octopod because they're really cool devices and they're really reliable. You can charge it up and then you can recharge your phone You can never have to deal with a dead phone again as long as you plan ahead and you go to octo-pod.com slash outset. Use the coupon code OUTSET at checkout and you're good to go. So we've talked a lot about problems because I believe that the first step to finding a solution is... um, First, there's admitting there is a problem, but, but I think it's, it's different than that because you have to figure out what the problem is. And 
And and I've talked a lot about people who contribute to the problem. That That's what I was just talking about earlier. And that's kind of what's been getting me a little riled up lately, I guess I should say. But, but let's focus on the positive, the good. And, and here are... If your representative meets these three criteria, there's someone who is helping. And that's awesome. And you should support them with with everything you've got. Number one, they are transparent. Are they transparent beyond the level of what is legally mandated? Two things come to mind here. Number one, emails from a certain former Secretary of State who's now running for president. Not very transparent. That's all I'm going to say about that for now. Number two, Justin Amash again congressman from Michigan. He's my personal favorite congressman, and not just because of his stances. My favorite, favorite thing that Justin Amash does is he explains every single vote. He's never missed a vote, and every single vote, he writes a public explanation of why he voted that way on Facebook for anyone to read, and he makes it a public link on Facebook. So even if you don't have a Facebook account, you can go and read it. Even though I'm not his constituent, I have access to that. I can go and read why he voted that way. This is just totally awesome, and it is transparent beyond the level of what's legally mandated. If you have someone who's just barely scraping by within the very edge of the law... Be suspicious of them. If if the government has to come along and make you more transparent, that's not good. You should be, especially... I mean, it's a good practice in daily life to just be transparent and authentic. But especially if you are in elective office, you it's critical that you're always out in the open. Because you live a very public life, so... Yeah, I I just cannot emphasize enough how critical this is. And also, do they go out of their way to make their motivations clear? You know, they don't have to explain every vote like Justin Amash does, but, but, you know, maybe this just means a tweet from time to time that says, I ran for Congress because of this. I I think of Rand Paul, who is pro-life. He um, has led the fight in Washington to defund Planned Parenthood lately. He he is very passionate about abortion, but um, he says that's not what drives him. What drove him to run for office was that he he's worried about the economy and and the liberty that seems to be under attack from Washington, D.C., and so, while he is pro-life, we know what motivates him. He is going to be motivated by increasing your personal freedom and bettering your economy. Whereas other candidates, we really just don't know. Like, say, Donald Trump. We don't really know what motivates Donald Trump. He might yell about Mexicans from time to time. But, I mean... By all appearances, what motivates Donald Trump is Donald Trump. (laughs) And that's not a good reason to elect someone. So, 
make sure they're trans if if they're transparent if they go out of the way to make their motivations clear they're they're likely someone who's solving the problem number two they actually take action are they content to be bossed around either by the White House or by congressional leadership? Or if it's on a local level, maybe it's your city councilman who's just getting bossed around by the mayor or your school board who's just getting bossed around by the superintendent. If they're just content to sit there and and be yes men and yes women, they're likely not responsible enough to be solving the problem. You know, it may have worked for Apple to have a board that was just kind of like, yes, we'll say yes to anything Steve Jobs wants in the later years. It doesn't really work in government. The The foundation of our government is that one person isn't in charge. That's the whole idea of the American Republic system is that no one person should be in charge. And... Uh, so make sure they're not content to be bossed around. And also, do they fulfill to the best of their ability the campaign promises they made? So if you have a candidate who runs for office pledging to, um, reduce the number of guns in your county and never introduces a single gun control bill, or if you have a candidate who pledges to... Um, support small businesses and not the big businesses and then votes to renew the Export-Import Bank, then there's someone who's making the problem worse. You want someone who is going to go to Washington, say, Trent Franks. He's a congressman here in Arizona who said that he's going to go there and do everything he can to... um, and abortion, and he started with ending abortion after 20 weeks, and he's introduced that legislation, and it hasn't gotten much of anywhere yet, but he's trying. He's doing the best he can to make it a reality. This is good. Whether or not, you cannot blame a person necessarily for legislation not getting passed, because, I mean, we do have... A large Congress, it it can be incredibly difficult to pass legislation through it. But at least they have to be trying. And and someone who is trying to fix it, Thomas Massey, Zoe Lofgren come to mind, Democrat and Republican working together, trying to solve problems. I, I just can't emphasize enough how important it is that they're actually trying and not just sitting there going, oh, well. And number three, they're optimistic. Don't don't elect people who waste time with doom and gloom. It It's just a waste of time to sit there and say, oh, boy, Obama, man, he's made our country terrible. Even if you believe that, you're not going to reach anybody new by simply criticizing President Obama all the time. It doesn't work that way. Yes, he's the President of the United States. Yes, he's a figurehead. But this doom and gloom is useless. It's utterly useless. It's just a waste of time. And it's just helping people get reelected because, oh, 
they criticized President Obama. I don't like President Obama's stances on all of these issues, so they must be someone we should elect. When all they did was criticize somebody. This this happens on on right-wing social media all the time, where someone, whether it's uh, a kid, a an old person, doesn't matter who it is. If someone criticizes President Obama and is like, blah, 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 President Obama, blah, 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 terrible, horrible president all the time, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly they get tens of thousands of Twitter followers and they're someone that everyone should look to as an inspiration. What? What? You're just complaining. Complaining is worthless. Default to optimism. Look for the good in the situation. (sighs) I could go on and on about this. Number two, they actually seek to better the state of the country. Have you ever run into, come across one of these politicians who, they seem to really like the fact? First of all, they think that we're just so mired with problems here in America that there's just no hope anymore, and we're just going to keep plugging away and doing the best we can. But they actually seem to like that. They want there to be more problems. It seems like, whether or not that's true, they they want there to be more problems just so they, they can complain about them. You you want someone who's optimistic for the future of this country and and who's actually trying to make a difference and make things better. If you elect Senator Doom and Gloom, you are making the problem worse. So, my message to elected officials is this. Stop making the problem worse. (laughs) Start doing what we elected you to do. Start voting for your constituents. Be respectful to people you disagree with. Hold events. Get to know your constituents. Be transparent. We want to know the truth. We don't want Congress people who are spending our money inappropriately. Be transparent about what you spend, what your stances are. Don't don't be a bait-and-switch candidate. Take action. Try to stand up for what you believe in. That makes it sound insulting, but but try. Work. Do your best. And be optimistic. Possibly the most important thing on here. Have a good attitude. Don't don't waste your time on doom and gloom, on pessimism. Be optimistic to a fault. Don't be naive. Be wise and optimistic. Every day is a new day for opportunity in this great country. Let's not waste it. And to you, my fellow citizen... Boy, that sounds dramatic. But I can't think of a better way to phrase it. So, to you, my fellow citizen. Vote for good people. Support good people. If you find someone good, give money to their campaign. Don't vote for the bad ones. Don't vote for the bad ones just because someone else might be worse. If you're six feet tall, it doesn't matter if the hole you're in is 15 feet deep or 500 feet deep. You're still underground. Vote for good people. Vote for people who are helping civil discourse and trying to help this country. 
And as for people like me, you podcasters and bloggers out there, you do the same thing. Follow all these things, whether you're an elected official or not. It'll make your life better, it'll make everyone's life better. And as for me specifically, I seem to have recovered from my Twitter rant. I feel like the debates have produced more good in my political perspective than I could have possibly imagined, and they managed to do it by being so terrible I had no choice but to launch into a little series on the podcast about it. Do your part. Oh wait, I'm talking to myself now. (laughs) I will survive my Twitter breakdown. I'm resolving to be better. You can look for a Medium post from me. It might be up by the time this episode is published. I'm I'm not sure. But there will be a post on Medium detailing a little more articulately than I could spew out right here, right now, what I'm personally thinking about with all of this. So, before I get too rambly and incoherent, I just want to thank you so much for listening today, and... I'm going to go ahead and sign off now. As I said just a moment ago, thank you so much for tuning in to Second Look today. I really appreciate uh, those of you who listen every single week. You're, You're wonderful, and I really enjoy making this podcast for you. Thanks also to Stephen Perkins for publishing me in Outset Magazine. You can follow me on Twitter at BeGreenAZ. BeGreenAZ. I said that kind of weird. You can follow Stephen at Stephen with a PH underscore Perkins. And you can follow Outset Magazine at at Outset Magazine or OutsetMagazine.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I really believe we can make a difference in this country, you and me, if we work together and don't stop working together. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. You can subscribe in iTunes, where I hope you'll rate it five stars. Also subscribe to Stephen's podcast, The Stephen Perkins Program, and The Matt Dallas Show. They'll give you plenty of material to cover you till next week. Then I'll be back. Have a great week.